the unofficial Bengals podcast. Welcome to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to welcome in fellow Zedia Network member Jason Hand of the Browns Huddle podcast. Tom McLeavy is going to stop in for another McLeavy minute. And Sands is going to stop in to discuss the Colts game and preview the Browns game. Todd Pennington with Columbus-based Revolution Mortgage is the proud sponsor of the unofficial Bengals podcast. If you're looking to refinance into a very competitive low rate or cash out for debt consolidation or home improvements, now is the time with historically low rates. Todd should also be your go-to guy if you're looking to purchase a new home or get out of renting. So contact Todd Pennington at 614-390-9520 or visit revolutionmortgage.com slash tpennington for more info. Revolution Mortgage is an equal housing lender, NMLS ID 1686046. The unofficial Bengals podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Week 7 Preview Cincinnati Bengals versus Cleveland Browns. Bengals get the ball to start the game. We have Gio Bernard in the backfield, Seathan Carter at tight end, offset from the line. We have Higgins, Boyd, and Green in there. Now, what we do is we see where Miles Garrett is lining up. If he lines up over the tight end Carter, we keep him there. If he lines up on the other side, we send Carter in motion. First play, screen to Bernard. Let's get that pass rush coming upfield. Let's get him thinking that he's going to storm over the tight end that's in his way. Next thing you know, Gio Bernard is in space on that second level against their weakest spot, which is their linebacking core. Big play. I'm not even going to call the second down play because that play is going to get us a first down. So what do we do? First down, we'll say we're at the 40-yard line now. Same formation, quick pitch away from Garrett's side. Let's test the perimeter. Let's get some of the stronger wide receivers out there blocking. Let's get a nice play design where we can get to the perimeter and get a handful of yards. And then what do we do for that third play, which would now be a second down? We come out with five wides. Quick slant to A.J. Green. If A.J. Green's not open, hit one of the other guys. Now's the time because we need to start standing up to the divisional rivals. We've had a tough time against Pittsburgh the last few years. Now with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, we've had a tough time with them. And the Browns, with that stacked roster, they're starting to make a little separation between the two teams. We need to make sure that we catch them, and this is the way to start by winning this game. You know, I know the playoffs are getting more and more of a long shot, both by our record and by the performance up to this point. And there are some even tougher games up ahead of us. But if we're even going to think about the playoffs, we need to beat our divisional rivals first. That's the A number one goal, and it starts with beating the Browns this week. And then after that, you start focusing on those wild card teams. So we have two significant injuries this week. Joe Mixon is going to be out, and William Jackson is going to be out. And it's going to hurt us in both cases. I mean, this is a game where you would love to have Mixon in there going to war with you. And it would be nice to have William Jackson to work on Landry or Odell Beckham because you got a couple really good receivers there as well. Sean Williams is the only other player that's listed as questionable. I think he went limited in practice on Friday. So aside from that, everyone is back. Daniels is actually back in the mix, and we have Marcus Hunt coming in. So that's two fresh guys for the rotation, which is going to help. You're going to need to do that against these guys. And then also they made Travion Williams active for the first time, which is really cool. I'm, I'm really happy for him. I'm a little surprised because he's more of a Bernard back. I thought maybe Jock Patrick would be a better fit because he's more like a Mixon. But that kind of gives a tip off on the game plan a little bit. So you figure that Bernard is going to be in that Mixon role for this game. And Travion might be in the Bernard role. So I hope he gets a few touches. I know he's really excited about it. 
I'm rooting for him. You know, I love when a new guy comes in and gets his chance. No reason why he can't make a couple big plays in space, especially on those screens. And expect Samaj P. Ryan to get some carries too, because, you know, you can't get Bernard every carry in the game, especially because that's not really his nature is to be that bell cow. But P. Ryan is going to come in and get some tough yards for us too. Maybe spell him for a drive. You know how sometimes they put Geo in for a whole drive and take out Mixon. Um, P. Ryan might be the guy that they put in in that circumstance. So, you know, we'll make the best of it. Even though Mixon is out and that really is not good for us, it's good to see some other guys getting a chance. We'll see what they can do, and hopefully they're going to be guys that contribute to a winning program. All right, what are my concerns for this game? What worries me? As always, the health of Joe Burrow. They really got to him a lot last game, and they're going to follow a lot of the same formula. So our offensive line stepped it up a little bit last week, but they have to continue on that path. I mean, with that D-line, you have Garrett, who killed us. Richardson, who had an amazing game against us. Ogunjobi is a good player. I think Olivier Vernon's back in the mix. So you have four players that, you, that can all make a difference in that game that you really have to account for. So that is the biggest concern. We're not going to have a lot of time to throw the ball this week. And those guys are dangerous against the run game, too. So in addition to Burrow being under pressure and having to get rid of the ball quick all week, we're going to have a hard time running it. You know, we're not going to be able to go straight at this defense and, and pound through and get a bunch of yards. We're going to have to be clever and work the perimeter and work those screens. I'll get more into that a little bit later. And Denzel Ward, the 20th rated corner in the league. He's a great player. I don't know what they're planning with him, if he's going to follow around a player or if he's just going to stay on a side. I mean, he's beatable. Mike Thomas beat him for a touchdown in the first game. It's not like you can't get any passes off against him. But he's a player, if you keep going at him, it may come back to hurt you. On defense, um, there's there's some serious concerns in this game. Let's be honest, with William Jackson now, it's going to be tough. We're going to have Phillips and Sims on the outside probably matching up against Landry and Beckham Jr. And we haven't generated that much of a pass rush, so he's going to have time to get the ball downfield. So it's troubling. We're going to have to make sure those guys really stand up this game. And it doesn't look like the pass rush is going to improve this week against that offensive line of the Browns. I was checking on Pro Football Focus. They have four guys in the top 10 from their offensive line. Now, again, that's on paper. You know, as they say, that's why we play the games. Anything can happen. Maybe somebody from our team gets hot. But on paper, that's a tough line to get around. And we didn't do so well last game with our pass rush either. So look for them to protect and get the ball downfield to the receivers. And then on top of that, you have Kareem Hunt, who's a deadly back. He killed us last game. He's good in the pass game as a running back. I think, actually, Chubb was rated 11 and Hunt was 10. He's even more highly rated than Chubb. I know Chubb is out right now. If Chubb was playing this game, this would be a much, much tougher game to win. Still going to be very tough with Hunt in there, especially behind that offensive line. So he's something else that concerns me. And, you know, the backup Johnson is going to get his share. I think he has like six yards of carry this year in limited duties. So that could be the case of another guy that you barely heard of coming in and just lighting us up or making a couple big plays. We've seen it happen in the past. We've actually seen it happen last week with um, Johnson. I'm hoping that another guy named Johnson doesn't take us out this week, too. So that's always a threat, those backup running backs that you don't really have much tape on. And then Austin Hooper. He had some big catches last game. You have to keep an eye on him. So there's a lot of threats with those wide receivers, that backfield, the tight end. If Mayfield is on his game and they get the run generated, we're going to have a tough time on defense. All right, what would I do? How would I approach this game if I was the coaching staff of the Bengals? Here's what you have to do offensively. You have to go score for score with these guys like you did last game. With the matchups that we have regarding our defense on their offensive players, they're going to score a lot of points. 
So we're going to have to score a lot of points. It can't just be a game that we wait for our defense to win the game for us. It's going to have to be an aggressive offensive effort and saying, hey, you guys scored. We're coming right back at you. Now we're going to score. We're going to have to attack that back seven, especially the linebackers. As I mentioned, Ward is a highly rated corner, but those linebackers are pretty pedestrian, and the rest of the secondary is vulnerable. So we're going to have to go after those back seven in a creative way. And I thought of a couple things that we can do in this game. As I mentioned for the first play of the game, you got to get some screens going. You have to let this pass rush think that they're getting to Burrow and have him slip the ball out. They have to be well-designed screens because we've had a few this year where they were just doomed from the start. So to the Bengals coaching staff, let's really be thinking about the best possible screens that you have in your repertoire, and those are the plays to run this week. And I think perimeter runs. I'm never a huge fan of runs on the perimeter. I just think normally the, the speed of the NFL, they catch them. It just doesn't seem to work. But... For this game, I don't think we're going to make any any hay up the middle, so we're going to have to go to the outside. And if we're going to go up the middle, we might have to do it in a more clever way, like some draws and some traps. Again, just like the theory with the screen pass, let the defensive line get aggressive and come in really quickly. All of a sudden, we do some kind of delay, and we're past that level, onto that vulnerable middle level of their defense, where I think the game could be won and lost for us offensively. With that said, if you have pedestrian linebackers, then you got to have some tight end passes. We're going to have to get clever again. We've had a couple two, three tight end sets. You know what? Crazy thought, but maybe even a Mason Shrek sighting. A guy who never gets any playing time. If he hits the field, they don't even know who he is. Might be the kind of guy that just sneaks out of the formation. They forget to cover him. Boom, there's a pass to someone like that. With screens also comes running back passes. Let's get some passes out in the flat in space, the same theory as perimeter runs. And if we're going to go with any kind of passing game, guys, seriously, it's got to be a quick passing game. It can't be let him drop back and try to go down the field. He's not going to have the time. And we can't succumb to the national pressure of, we got to hit some long balls. We're not a successful offense until we... No, this is not the game for that. This is the game where you stick to that quick passing game and you don't stop with that quick passing game. We don't put this guy in danger. We don't give those guys a chance for a strip sack and a fumble like last game. So I'm all down with having five wide receivers, but it's got to be quick throws, quick slants. I mean, we developed that slant pass to A.J. Green last week where we were just getting nailing him on that no matter who was on him. So that could be successful this game as well. What do I do defensively now? Coach Anarumo, I hope you're listening to this podcast. I have another idea. I'm always throwing ideas at you, but I think this one is a good one. Because we're going to have Sims and Phillips on the outside against these dangerous receivers, and because Mackenzie Alexander has become one of my favorite Bengals right now and has been doing great in coverage, I think what we should do is have Mackenzie Alexander shadow Odell Beckham Jr. If he just shadows him outside, inside, I don't care where he is. If he's in the backfield, I don't care. Let's have Mackenzie Alexander be the guy that is just all over Odell Beckham. Hey, you're going to the sideline to the Gatorade? Mackenzie Alexander is right there behind you online. That's how I want him to be with covering Odell Beckham this week. And then that would only leave us vulnerable with Landry on either Sims or Phillips. So we're kind of reducing our liability if Alexander can indeed do the job on Beckham. Then we can focus the secondary on stopping Landry. And then we can focus the front seven on stopping Hunt. And this is a game for fresh defensive linemen coming in the game constantly. And right on cue, we have Daniels and Hunt coming back. So get him in that rotation. Let's see Geno Atkins get more snaps, please. And let's rotate all these guys in there. Keep guys fresh because that offensive line is a good one and they're going to wear you down. Maybe you confuse them with a guy they don't have much tape on. Or you, you get him because the guy just came up off the bench all jacked up to come into the game. That's really all you can do in a game like this when they 
have the edge as far as their offensive line versus our defensive line. And then, as I said last time we played these guys, kind of the same thing. You need to bait Baker Mayfield into some mistakes. And I don't know how that's done. I I would need to break down film on the Browns to, to give you some advanced strategy on that. But, I mean, what I guess I would do is I would change looks on him. You know, really mix up your looks. And, again, you go from that two high safety to the single high safety. Just mix up various things like that where he doesn't really know what he sees downfield or he thinks he sees one thing and it's another. And then there's philosophies on if Landry and Hunt are beating you. Just assume that Alexander has Beckham covered. I guess at one point you need to decide, are we going to sell out for the run or sell out for the pass? And the game is going to dictate that, and what the Browns are doing is going to dictate that. But you almost think in theory that they're probably going to come out trying to run it in the beginning. So maybe in those first couple drives you sell out for the run. But as the game develops, you know they're going to start trying to involve the guys downfield. So there's going to come a point where you're going to have to sell out a little bit against the pass as well. Not an easy task. I'm basically saying play good against the run and the pass. I mean, that's that's what you go into the game wanting to do. So I don't have any magical solutions or anything. But I would say you're probably going to have to focus on stopping one thing and then adapt as the Browns start changing. That's a lot of time what halftime adjustments are about. So we're going to really have to analyze what they're doing prior to the half and think about what they're going to do after the half. And a lot of times what a team is doing before the half, they'll change it for halftime. And they'll account for you making an adjustment to what they did in the first half, and they're going to try to come in with an adjustment to that adjustment. I know that sounded confusing, but I think you guys got me on it. So lastly, what's my prediction for the game? 34-31 Bengals. I'll say we stick to a quick passing game. We expose their back seven. We give Burrow a little bit of protection. We figure things out defensively. We don't get totally lit up. We get a couple stops. A big score-for-score game. Browns are a good team. I'm saying they're going to score four touchdowns on us and a field goal. And we're going to score four touchdowns and a field goal. And then Bullock's going to come on the field late to kick a winning field goal. Browns get the ball with 12 seconds left. Game over. unofficial Bengals podcast would like to welcome Jason Hand from the Browns Huddle Podcast. All right, we're here with my brother from the ZDN Network. I'd like to welcome in a special guest. This is Jason Hand from the Browns Huddle Podcast. Jason, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Frank. How are you? All right, man. It's great to have you on the show. I know we're rivals in the division, but we're friends off the field. We are friends off the field, but this coming Sunday, it's going to be a little bit different. So what are your thoughts on the game? Why, why do you think the Browns are going to beat the Bengals? Well, I, I do think the Browns will beat the Bengals. But before I get into all that, uh, Frank, I just want to say that the unofficial Bengals podcast is one of my weekly listens. I know I'm a Browns fan and we're an AFC North rival, but I really love what you're doing here on the unofficial Bengals podcast. You can tell that you're um, you're a fanatic for the Bengals, and I really admire the way that you take the time out of your day and study the Bengals and come up with game plans. Uh, love what you're doing there at, at Bengals camp. Uh, thank you, man. That That is really appreciated, especially coming from you. And, you know, we both bleed the same color. I mean, I bleed orange. I, I believe that you bleed orange as well. We do, yeah. We, we both bleed orange, so here we go. Uh, <laughs> this com- This coming Sunday... The Browns travel to Cincinnati Bengals land for the uh, Battle of Ohio. Um, The last time the Browns met the Bengals, it was week two on a Thursday night game. 
The Browns ended up winning that game 35-30. to 30. Uh, You asked me how I think the Browns are going to win this game. I I do think the Browns are going to win. Now, I say that with the utmost respect for the Bengals because I think that you guys are heading in the right direction. Um, I think uh, Burrow's going to be an awesome QB in this league, and it's really scary if if you sit back and think about the ASC North. Of course, you have the Baltimore Ravens, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers, and now the Cleveland Browns, and now... The Cincinnati Bengals are heading in the right direction. It's really scary what this uh, AFC North division is going to look like two or three years from now. But this game, this coming Sunday, um, I I look for the Browns to return to their winning ways. Uh, This past Sunday, we got our butts handed to us by the Pittsburgh Steelers. We had to abandon the game plan pretty much because we couldn't run on them. We, uh, we had to put the ball in the air, and that was bad news for the Cleveland Browns. But this week against the Cincinnati Bengals, I looked to uh, establish our run game. The first time we met, we ran the ball uh, almost 35 times, and Baker only dropped back 23 times. And I think if you look at the Browns' victories versus their defeats, that was the winning formula that the Browns had. Um, so this week I looked for the Browns to – um, to get that running game going, of course, we're without the great Nick Chubb, but we do have the, our second running back, Kareem Hunt. He, he would start on most teams. He's a fantastic running back. And, you know, Dearness Johnson is uh, coming in at number two. And, of course, we have Dontrell Hilliard as our number three back. So we still do have some running backs in Cleveland that can take the load in Nick Chubb's absence. Um, so that's what I look for this week. Uh, as far as the passing game, um, OBJ – uh, looking for him to have a bounce-back game. Jarvis Landry, the same. And Baker Mayfield had a devastating day against the Steelers. Uh, of course, he was playing hurt with his uh, rib rib injury. I, I think he had bruised ribs. But hopefully, Baker Mayfield uh, can come uh, into Cincinnati and uh, just get that stank that's out of our mouths. Because right now, everything just tastes gross. It's nasty. Uh, we got pretty much uh, taken behind the woodshed there in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. So I'm looking to, to bounce back and, and get a victory against the Cincinnati Bengals this week. You know what? I'm with you on that. I, I definitely understand how that game went, and it was rough to take. Before you move on to the defense, what happened? Like, how I didn't see the game, but how did Pittsburgh stop Hunt in your offensive line? What was what were they doing to, to shut down your run game? Because I know that we couldn't. I think I'm a big stats guy. You know, I, I like to – a lot of times if you look at stats after the game, you can kind of see uh, where you went right or where you went wrong. To be honest with you, Frank, I didn't look at the stats after this game. I didn't re-watch the game like I normally do. I can tell you the, the bottom line is we weren't uh, ready to play that game and, and we, we uh, just got our butts handed to us. That's all I can say. It was the mental thing more than an ability thing. Our run game – you're right. We, we were able to run on teams, some good teams. We just ran on the Indianapolis Colts. They, they have a great run defense, but we were able to handle them. This week, our offensive line didn't hold up. They didn't create the holes. They didn't give Baker Mayfield the time. Kareem Hunt did an okay job, but he fought for every damn yard he got, but it just wasn't enough. We, you know, we, we were down 24 to nothing before you can really blink your eyes and never could really get the, the run game going. So, so this week... I'm hoping that 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 changes. Um, What do you think defensively about the Browns this week? 
Uh, defensively, uh, you know, this, this past week against the Steelers, I thought they did a pretty good job. You know, Claypool did a great job. James Washington caught some balls. Okay, look, the Browns' defense, um, their linebackers, uh, it's probably the weakest part of their defense. We we will give up chunk plays to the receivers and tight ends. You, you can definitely take advantage of us there. But, you know, this past game against the Steelers, the, the defense, if you want to look at the bright spot, it was it was that they they held their own um, defensively. They just <laughs> they were on the field too too doggone much, you know. So yeah, this week I think defensively we need to uh, again just like before make Joe Burrow a little uncomfortable. We can't give uh, uh, Mixon or uh, Bernard the the run yardage that they normally get. We have to to contain the run and um, put pressure on Burrow because if we don't, it could be an a long afternoon for the Browns, but I don't think that'll happen. No, I understand. We had a hard time with your defensive line last game, and, and Miles Garrett, as we all know, was a beast that gave us a lot of fits. Yeah, um, he had the, the strip sack fumble, I, I believe, and uh, also Adrian Claiborne had a sack in that game, and um, Richardson had a uh, sack as well. So um, that would be nice if that continues. Yeah, without a doubt. And defensively, I know you guys, what it was like 24 nothing, as you said, but I think, were there two pick sixes? I don't, I don't know if all those points were let up by your defense, if I'm correct. There, well, there was one pick six. So, all right, so Pittsburgh uh, got the ball first. They drove down, kicked the field goal. We, we held them to the field goal the first drive. I, I believe it was the first or second play of our first possession. Baker Mayfield threw a pick, pick six. After that, it was just lights out. It, it, you know, yeah. it, it was very uncomfortable after that. It was not good. Jason, some <laughs> games are like that, too. If there's like an early kickoff return for a touchdown or an early pick six, sometimes that team just runs with the game. I've seen it happen a bunch of times. This game, okay, so this game really made me just take a step back and go, okay, what, what do I have here? I, I have a team that is and 4-2. Uh, before the season started, I did the schedule game, and I had them going at three and three at this point. So they're one game, even what I had them at. So we're four and two. The two losses that we had were against the Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers. Blowout losses, losses you do not want to have, especially against those two teams. We're winning against the teams we should be winning against. That's the good news. But when we face teams like the Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers, we just haven't found a way to be able to be competitive in those games. Yeah, we're in the same boat. We have to figure out the formula for beating those teams. We were hot against the Ravens for a while until Lamar Jackson took over. And since then, both of those teams have our number. Yeah, I mean, you, you guys were, were scary on Sunday. You you had a pretty good lead against the Colts as well, um, and, and they creep, crept back in that game. Yeah, it was one of those things you kind of felt it because they are a superior team, I guess, on paper. And uh, we jumped off to a quick lead because they had an early turnover and we looked good. But then in the beginning of the second quarter, they scored pretty quickly. And I, I in my head, I was like, oh, my God, I can feel this happening. You could almost sense that they were going to come back. And unfortunately for us, they did. Back to my first point, uh, the, the Cincinnati Bengals are heading in the right direction. And this is going to be a battle you know, in years, two or three years from now, that's going to be probably some really epic battles. And, I, you know, I look for Joe Burrow to be a great quarterback in the AFC North for a long time, but I just don't think that they're there yet. Could I be wrong? Maybe. But I, I do look for the Browns to get the victory this coming Sunday in Cincinnati. Okay, so with that said, what's your score prediction for the game? 
My score prediction, Vegas has um, has the over-under around 50 points. I think that, you know, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, the Browns have shown that, that they really can't stop people, uh, teams from scoring, and I look for us to start scoring again. So I look for this to be, uh, what was the first game, 35 to 30? I right. look for it to be right around there. I'm looking at 34 to 28 Browns. Hey, that's a lot of touchdowns. That'll be an exciting game to watch then. Heck yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I can't wait to see it. Again, we got our butts handed to us in, in Pittsburgh, and we're looking to redeem ourselves in a very big way, and I hope it's this week against the Cincinnati Bengals. And That's I, why know, we play the game, right? Yeah, and, I, and honestly, I got you on that because, I mean, the game was 35-30 to 30 the first time we played, but we scored a late touchdown. It didn't feel like it was that close of a game as it was going on, so we kind of owe you one as well. So, Jason, how do people find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter. Uh, my, my regular Twitter account is at Browns Huddle. And my, um, for, I have a Twitter account for my podcast, the Browns Huddle Podcast. You can find that on Twitter, at Browns Huddle Pod. And that's a great show, too. And for all you people listening, it's not just about the Bengals. I mean, if, you want, if you're a fan of the AFC North, you're going to want to check out the Browns Huddle Podcast as well. Jason, thanks for coming on, bro. Uh, Thanks for having me, Frank, and good luck this week, man. It's going to be a great game. AFC North standings. The Bengals are currently in fourth place in the AFC North. They trail the first-place Steelers by four games. You have the Steelers at 5-0, the Ravens at 5-1, the Browns at 4-2, and and the Bengals at 1-4-1. The Bengals are currently the 12th seed in the AFC. McLeavy Minute. All right, we're here with Tom McLeavy. Tom, how are you today? Good, Frank. How you doing? All right, my friend. So what are your thoughts on everything? Uh, where, where do you start? The Colt game, I mean, everything fell right into place the way you wanted it to, to start a game. 21 nothing. I mean, you get a turnover in the big, uh, on the Colts' first drive. You're cashing in touchdowns. Everything's smooth sailing. Then all of a sudden, uh, were we playing with any defensive backfield? That was atrocious, that defense. When Philip Rivers can avoid getting sacks, you have no pass rush, period. I know the Colts' offensive line is really good, but... I mean, Philip Rivers was getting out of the pocket and running and getting rid of the ball or even making a, uh, a completion. Your pass rush is null. Apparently now uh, Dunlap is voicing his displeasure. Uh, he has, my feeling, no say. He's had plenty of opportunities. He's given the Bengals no pass rush. Now, apparently Geno Atkins is upset, and that's where you got to start questioning. What's going on here? And I know, you know, he was injured and stuff, and last week you could understand him being used sporadically to get back into, you know, game shape per se. But um, apparently he's upset of the way he's being used. 
So, you know, this, this organization right now is not in a good place. We've said this time and time again, they finally have a franchise quarterback. And for them to ignore an offensive line and not even give this kid a chance, I mean, he's doing things with what he has that is very impressive. We've went over this in the past. T. Higgins had a great game. Even A.J. Green came alive. And Bernard looked good. Apparently, Mixon had a little foot issue, and uh, he got a lot of playing time, Gio, and uh, it showed. Um, Third and one. Third and one in the fourth quarter, and you put P. Ryan in, who hasn't touched the ball all season, and give him a handoff. I mean, that's on Zach Taylor. Period. What in God's name would possess Zach Taylor to call a play like that? I mean, let Joe Burrow just do a quarterback sneak. In his mind, apparently, of course he wanted the first down, but he was just playing for a field goal there. And what goes wrong happens. He hits the upright. I listened to the post game, and Tim McGee was talking that he said that these guys don't know how to win. Like we said, they sorted out 21 nothing, And that means you're putting the ball in Phillip Rivers' hands. Pretty much all season, he hasn't been looking good. And what happens? Guys are wide open because lack of pass rush, like we said, and the defensive backfield was non-existent. I mean, they were compl- they were confused. They they're, they're arguing with one another of who's taking who after the play's done. That shouldn't happen. We understand that there was no preseason, but everybody had that. But to be confused at this time of the year after playing all these games is it's disgusting. Now it comes to light that they signed. Marcus Hunt. Now, you know, Duke Tolbin is the guy that took that drafted him, and he didn't produce with the Bengals, as usual, and he was serviceable with the Colts. And who do they cut? Andrew Brown, 2018 draft pick. He's not going to fire Zach Taylor. So, you know, people were saying, oh, I, you know, on Twitter, asking, you know, they – he can't be the coach next year or something. He's going to be the coach. There's no way Mike Brown is going to fire him when he owes him money. You've shown that you're sort of stepping away from Carlos Dunlap. Will they trade him? Who knows? Now teams know that, so they're not going to give him anything for him. John Ross just came out and said... He went to the, the front office, asked him for a trade. He'll blossom somewhere. So the Bengals aren't going to get anything for him. Frank, it's it's frustrating. And um, I 
just don't see it being fixed in one year. Wow, Tom. Powerful takes as always. It's great having you on, my friend. Thanks, Frank. X's and O's with Sans. All right, we're here with Sans. Sans, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? All right, my friend. So what are your thoughts on the Colts game and the upcoming Browns game? So, starting on offense and the play calling, I think it's very frustrating to watch Zach Taylor because he comes up with these creative plays, like the flea flicker, a new flea flicker. It wasn't the same one we already ran. That was a different one. There was no pre-snap motion or anything. So we ran that. That's a creative, fun call. And then we had another play where um, we had both the running backs in the backfield. Nixon shoots out fast to the right, and it's actually a draw play. I think that's a creative way to run a draw, too, although that was on second and 15, and I don't really like running a draw on second and 15, but at least it was a creative play. And there's other things. I, I like that we went back to uh, the insert ISO play we ran quite a bit last year when our run game was rolling, so we got that going. But there's certain plays and there's certain concepts that we're running in situations that I just don't agree with and some personnel decisions. And this is specifically on offense I'm talking about here. Twice, I believe, we were in a third and 10 or longer, and we ran either slant-flat combo, which will get you about six, seven yards unless a tackle's broken and they break one off, and stick, which is another five, six-yard play. And we're not even going for the first down. That's not the idea of this play. Sure, we have like one guy maybe going past the marker, but... That's not the idea of the play call. We're just getting more room for the field goal. And I just don't agree with that at all. I mean, you go for the touchdown. You don't play for the field goal. And maybe that's just me, but we're, again, we're not favored in these matchups. We're not supposed to be playing safe. We're supposed to be trying to win the game. And then my least favorite play sequence of the game was we got to third and one, and we run a fullback dive as if this is, 1974, we have, let's send our offensive line at your defensive line. We're going to move you. I'd rather, if we're going to run anything up the middle, I'd rather be a quarterback sneak. And the better play there, and it looked, granted, this is possibly because we handed the ball to the fullback and they saw that, but what looked open was one of those play action sprint out. That It's called like a switch boot, which we almost got a touchdown to Mixon on earlier where play kind of broke down and he was covered, then he went back and threw it, and then he kind of dropped it, but it was a tough catch. But that looked open. Why didn't we run that? Why didn't we run anything that's worked for us on these short-yarded situations? We don't have the offensive line to be running fullback dive on third and one. You're going to run that ball right behind Alex Redman and Bobby Hart, which I don't think either one is abysmal in run blocking, but they're also not... It's not like we had Quentin Nelson and Anthony Costanzo to run behind. And we're running into the Colts defensive line, one of their best parts of their team and their linebackers. We're going to run right up the middle at DeForest Buckner to convert a third and one. If we don't get it, we're kicking a field goal and missing because Randy had to miss one eventually. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to harp on him too much. He was pretty good, but he did miss that one. It still wouldn't have mattered. We lost by four. But in uh, pass protection and even run blocking, Jonah was great. Trey was great in pass protection. He's, he is what he is in run blocking, but we did, he did a pretty good job of helping neutralize Buckner. 
And I wanted to give a shout out to Michael Jordan, who I think had his maybe the best game of his career, in my opinion. He was working double teams with Jonah. He was finding work in the pass game to help any offensive lineman against Justin Houston to force Buckner. He'd give them a hit, make sure they're not able to get past them after one or two seconds. It was nice to see that our patience with him has finally led to something good. Hopefully it continues into Cleveland, although I still expect them to try to put Miles Garrett over him sometimes. I'm not excited about that matchup, but it was nice to see improvement. It's just so frustrating to watch Zach Taylor both be innovative and creative and then also at the same time so conservative at times. And nobody is nobody wants to see the conservative play for the field goal. At least we got some points anymore. Nobody on our fan base wants that. Nobody in the NFL fan bases want that. No. For me, it's frustrating to watch. And then the last play of the game where he threw, where Burrow threw the interception, I, there is some questions on if Boyd should have. It looked a bit like it, uh, a play Burrow used to have at LSU, where there was an option to go deep or to cut it off and go underneath the safeties, and maybe Boyd should have cut it and went underneath the safeties. And Burrow probably shouldn't take that shot in third down. But the only thing holding those two safeties, they split. So it was middle of the field open, although it's it looked more like a cover four than a cover two, so the safeties are a little closer together since they're not covering all of the halves. They're more in four quarters. They're in the two-quarter parts of the middle of the field. But the middle of the field is open, but you need something to hold that safety there. The only thing's our two outside guys were Mike Thomas and Drew Sample. The safeties weren't worried about those guys beating their cornerbacks deep and needing help. Blackman was able to just read it and make a play. He made a great play. Maybe Boyd should have cut underneath, but I think that's also a play design and personnel decision. Why wouldn't you put John Ross out there? His speed still would scare people. And if he gets past the cornerback and we're down four points in the end of the game, they need to give help. It doesn't matter if he drops balls. It doesn't matter if he has trouble tracking things. You don't risk that. But I don't know. I think our usage of John Ross is just stupid. There's so many jet sweeps, and it'd be great if he was on those. I mean, I think Higgins and Boyd and everyone's doing a good job with them. But could you imagine John Ross getting the edge? Frustrating to watch Zach Taylor both be a great and bad play caller. It's probably inexperienced and you just need to be patient with it but it's the same stuff I think I've been talking about on this podcast and for this year and I've thought it last year too where he has good stuff he has bad stuff and it's all in the same game Lou Anarumo came out coming off hot from uh, his last two games where I thought he called great games not as good this time (laughs) in my opinion I don't know if it was because we're not getting pressure with four guys and a lot, they picked up a lot of our blitzes because they do have a smart and great offensive line. Quentin Nelson stopped, I think, two or three free rushers, just came off his guy and just pounded them. But you have to rush at least four. Playing three against that offensive line and hoping to get any pressure, there's no chance. It doesn't matter if we're playing man zone or something in between that. Eventually, it's going to fall apart. So... Anytime Rivers had four, five, six seconds in there because we're rushing three guys, it's tough. And I somewhat understand the idea that he might have thought of, we're not getting pressure, why not get an extra guy in coverage? But when that extra guy in coverage is a defensive tackle 
they're really not doing much. Just send them on the rush. Phillip was really killing us in the second quarter specifically on one specific area of the field. We ran a bit of cover two. So if you think about that, we have two cornerbacks still near the line of scrimmage playing a little five-yard five area around the line of scrimmage. And the safeties are covering deep on both halves. So the area in between the corner, the outside cornerback and the safety is open. It's a tough throw, but it's open. And he hit us with that probably five or six times, including at least one of the touchdowns. I mean, it was tough to watch us keep playing that, and Rivers just kept dropping back, finding the area of the zone in between the safety and cornerback and hitting it. And if he wasn't hitting that, it was against Von Bell and man coverage or against Darius Phillips and man or zone. He, Phillips came off his best game of the year and struggled a little bit this game. I thought our run defense was decent at times, but there's definitely specific plays, and we're going to see them next week is the problem. They ran power and a little bit of counter and some misdirection, and that's going to be what we see against Cleveland. Cleveland killed us with those power and counter plays. So you know what, Sands, while we're on the topic of Cleveland, what are you thinking about the upcoming game against them? It'll be nice to have them at home. I think that helps us. I think home field advantage has roughly been the same as normal. I think a lot of people thought of, like the lack of fans could have an impact, all of that. And the only thing that is different from what I've seen is that nobody has to use a silent count. That's when every time you'd see the center dip his head down and then snap the ball at some point after that, that's, that's when they're using a silent count. It doesn't sound like anybody's using a silent count, at least now. If stadiums keep getting more packed, they will. And I don't know if their right guard's going to be out. Uh, Tetler, he's played like an all-pro this year, but he's been out the past two weeks, I believe. I'm not sure about his injury status for this week, but that'd be huge for us if he's out. I think that was his coming out game against us. He was taking our linebackers and driving them 15 yards out of the play. And that's on the power play. He's pooling, so he's leaving his area on the right side, coming to the left, in between the guard and tackle and the B-gap on that side and just finding the first linebacker and just driving him. He's, he's gone. That was every, every single power and counter play. He would take a linebacker and just take him completely out of the play. And it's frustrating to watch because when you can't stop that, it builds everything off of it, and it lets Mayfield play as easy as he wants. Because then you start the play action, you get everything off of that. He hardly had to throw the ball, really. He made a few great throws against us week two, but he didn't really have to throw the ball that much because they were running power and counter for eight yards per carry. And even without Nick Chubb, who I think is a top 10 back, Kareem Hunt, I think, is a top 10 back. So they didn't really lose much, in my opinion. I am so sick of us bringing blitzes. And Jonathan Taylor got a free wheel route for, like, 30 yards because we brought a blitz and nobody was on him. And I'm guessing that the play call, just from looking at it, I don't think we'd ever have nobody on him. I think the idea was to have the outside, the most outside blitzer to peel out on him, which is when they would start to blitz. They see he's quick to release, so they can't, like, they can't hit him in the backfield, so they have to run with him. It was Andrew Brown. We want Andrew Brown covering Jonathan Taylor on a wheel route. And that was the same play week two. We want Carlos Dunlap covering Kareem Hunt on a wheel route. I don't get that. And I know we want a blitz because 
we're not we weren't generating pressure either week really we weren't generating much pressure so we need to bring the blitz try to get some pressure maybe force a mistake or at least an incompletion but we have to have a better plan than that so Sands, what are, we, what are you thinking about offense when we're on offense against the browns i think we should run similar to what we ran week two because it worked for the most part the frustrating thing with how we're playing offense and these short games short games is once we get the smallest hiccup, a false start, a hold, a block in the back, it ends the drive. I don't know. I don't have a stat, but it feels like every time we run into a false start or something, like 80% of the time we run into one of these penalties or a sack, it seems like the drive, the drive just ends because we don't have these explosive plays to get out of it. Miles Garrett playing like a all-pro. We definitely have to have a plan for him. They're going to line them up inside, outside, over both tackles. There just has to be a plan. This guy might wreck our game. He did it week two when he got the strip sack. And they're going to run him off against Bobby Hart. They're going to run him against Jonah, which I thought Jonah did pretty well against him, but it's Miles Garrett. They're going to run him against Jordan. Yeah, they're just moving him everywhere. Olivier Vernon's still a decent player, so... He could still get a sack or a pressure. Ogan Joby's been hit or miss, which is the story of his career. So really what I'd look out for on defense is, or for our offense, we want to go five five out, have everybody out there for Burrow to make quick reads, be able to make a throw. And I just look for us to try to pick on linebackers, safeties, and any cornerback that's not Ward. If Ward follows Green, great. Higgins is better now than he was week two. All right, so Sands, with all that said, what do you think the final score is going to be? I think I'm falling for it. I think the Bengals actually win this game. <laughs> Just being at home. All right. <laughs> I guess that's the first time you've asked me a prediction. I think we actually win. So if I'm going to go with a score, I think it'll be high scoring again. But let's say 35-31 Bengals. I'll take it, my man. Sands, it was great having you on. Yeah, it was great being on. Handicappers Corner. The unofficial Bengals podcast current record is 8 wins, 10 losses. 44%. Wow, 44%. It's tough to make a profit gambling. Alright, the three games I'm going to go with this week are the Bills minus 11 at Jets, the Bucks minus 4.5 at the Raiders, and the Chiefs minus 4.5 for the first half at the Broncos. Those are the three games I'm going to be going with this week. Whoever you guys decide to bet this week, aside from the Browns, I wish you good luck. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be entirely dedicated to reviewing the Bengals-Browns game. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you guys should check out. And I'd also like to thank the ZDA Network, the network responsible for bringing you the unofficial Bengals podcast and the Browns Huddle Podcast. You can find them at Zedia Network on Instagram or Twitter, and Zedia is just like the word media, only with a Z. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.